Hello and welcome. On this week's episode, you would forgive us for thinking it was Easter instead of Christmas, what with the season of resurrections Hollywood is throwing at us to finish out our year. First off, we have the final episode of Marvel's Hawkeye. It has been fantastic to this point, and they end it with a bang by bringing back one of our favorite characters in just an awesome way. Second up, we're going to be talking Matrix. That's right, Resurrections. It's kind of like the Star Wars Episode 7 of Matrix movies, and maybe that's not the best thing. Ooh. We know how you feel. <laughs> and lastly, we're talking about something everyone can love, Spider-Man No Way Home. I have finally seen it, and we are going to spoil the hell out of it. <laughs> Can't wait. So if you haven't seen Spider-Man yet, you're probably one of eight or nine people left on the planet. Pause this episode, pause the intro, go watch Spider-Man, and when you're done, join us on... <laughs> you started with a guitar intro, and I thought you might go into the old uh, 90s Spider-Man song there for a second. You had like that chunky guitar intro. And then the solo comes in because we're, we're going to be talking so much Spider-Man. You it? know, we have tales to admonish, and that is my only wish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, Trey Parker? <laughs> oh, hell yeah, baby. He, oh, he's a master of the yearling. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, he does. A mound, mound, mound. That's funny. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Um, just uh, relaxing during this holiday season. Uh, my daughter had a really awesome recital this past weekend that I saw her. Yeah, I that. know. I saw you posting videos from church, and uh, your daughter's in the choir, right? Yeah, she's in the choir. She, she did a really fantastic job. She's been working for months, and um, uh, yeah, that was fantastic. I got her some really cool scientific stuff. I got her... Um, I got her a, a, a microscope. Uh, she, I got her a laptop. I gave that to her as an early present because I was like, well, she could use it now. <laughs> and um, mm. But uh, also, get this. Do you know binoculars have cameras in them now? <laughs> I know. We're, we're old, but of course binoculars have cameras. Why wouldn't they? That's amazing. Uh, it's so creepy, though. <laughs> All right, see, I guess, yeah, I didn't take it to that place at first, but yeah, fucking creepy. So, I yeah, guess. so when I gave it to her, I, I leaned on the, the idea, yeah, look at the stars, babe. <laughs> like, I was just like, that is so horrible. <laughs> well, you know, it depends on what, what sort of environment you're in. You know, if you're out living in a more rural area, then you're looking at the birds and the squirrels yeah. and the wildlife and the fucking shit. But if you just straight up live in the city, then you're just kind of looking in other people's windows. Yeah. And now you're recording. Yeah. Them. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, uh, boy, that's a thing. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. That is wild. So you got your kid a bunch of scientific stuff. I love that. Yeah, she got some geodes and stuff. And uh, oh my god, she she had this thing where you get to actually excavate like uh, gems and rocks from this like this like uh, this dusty piece of like uh, material. So she got into that immediately. I, I'm I'm loving everything that she got right now. It's really cool. 
That's cool. I'm glad to hear that your kid's into that stuff. Maybe I'll send you some stuff because I have, um, I don't know if I've ever told you this. I have an extensive rock collection. I have a lot of rocks on display in my living room. And specifically, I love to collect uh, meteorite fragments. That's sick. Because the idea of possessing something like extraterrestrial Mm -hmm. to me is insane. The idea that something could come from the Oort cloud beyond Pluto, and now it sits on a shelf in my living room, That's that breaks my brain that you can own a piece of the Oort cloud. You know? Mm. Like, what the fuck is that? So I love meteorites, but Rachel also collects rocks as well, and so whenever there's, like, street fairs and stuff like that, we always get out and buy rocks, and we arrange them on our little shelves in mm. our living room. So I'm, I'm totally into all that stuff. And my undergraduate uh, uh, work was, you know, all science-based. I was studying to be a science teacher before, you know, the art life called and entertainment and all that stuff. But so I love that your kid's into science. I hope that, you know, we get her cooking up some radioactive spider blood or something. Oh, please, please. That must, that must happen. <laughs> that must happen. <laughs> no, you actually just get what, super what did, cancer. What happened for you? What happened for you? What happened for you for oh, holiday? Oh, well, shoot. We spent uh, all of Christmas with Rachel's family, which was nice. My mom is actually moving, so we asked her what she wanted to do for Christmas, and she's like, I already sold my furniture. There's nowhere for anyone to sit. I will see you all in January. Come visit January. <laughs> So she lives a bit upstate, so it's a little bit of a hike to get to her place, mm-hmm. but Rachel's folks live right here in Westchester with us, so we went and spent the day with her. Uh, I spent most of the day in a cape and mask, her nephew is obsessed with superheroes and specifically Spider-Man. And for Christmas, he had gotten a box full of superhero dress-up stuff. And so Rachel and I and uh, Grady, her nephew, spent most of the day uh, running around with our arms out in uh, capes and masks. Mm-hmm. So can't beat that with a stick, right? <laughs> he's such a good kid. And he loves, he's got these 12-inch superhero action figures that he loves to play with. But it's all Superman, Batman, Iron Man, Spider-Man. He had no bad guys. So I went online and I found somebody made this awesome 12-inch werewolf. He also loves Halloween. So for Christmas, I got him a giant werewolf action figure for all of his superheroes to team up against. (laughs) And so when we weren't running around in capes and masks, uh, Spider-Man and Captain America were doing battle with a giant werewolf. Uh, He's three. So it's all good times. Yeah. I love that stuff. So we had a, we had just a great, great holiday. I'm actually talking to you on the brand new microphone that Rachel got. Shabooey. So I must've been, I must've been pretty good this year. Shabooey. (laughs) <laughs> Shabooey indeed Well speaking of Christmas We got the final episode Of Marvel's Quintessential Christmas series Hawkeye And oh, it was It was everything And we were right All of the money that they saved On the last two episodes They spent big time on this episode Because oh, yeah. there is so much Punchy punchy wall to wall. And I love it Wall to wall. Wall to wall action. It was great. They spend all the money on this episode. You could see it. We even said it the other day. We're like, they got to be saving their money for the final episode. And when you look at episodes one through six, like episode one, giant action sequence. Episode three, giant action sequence. Here we are at episode six, and they do not disappoint. And we, of course, will be spoiling the finale of Hawkeye. So if you haven't watched it, what's wrong with you? I just have to. I just have to say, as a retrospective, honestly, this whole year has been a gift for Marvel. 
like just the amount of entertainment that we got. Like we were not at a loss for entertainment all year. No, you're right. I mean, four movies and four series. Oh yeah, video games. What? No. Oh my god, video video games. games the TV shows. Game of the year. TV shows. Biggest movies of the year. Yeah. I mean, they they just filled it up. It will be a tough act to follow in 2022. Yeah, I mean, I'm we've already I've already seen the lineup. It's gonna be skimpy like always. It's supposed to be skimpy. <laughs> we just right, right, we got right. Really we got lucky. basically two years worth yeah, of stuff we got in so one year lucky. because nothing came out last year. <laughs> and really, if the low point of that entire season is Eternals, then you've done something right. Yeah. Like Eternals wasn't the greatest movie in the world but if that's the lowest low you achieve then you have had a great season oh yeah yeah so yeah, go, yeah all of it's good. going into hawkeye you know it, it being the last thing being released uh, alongside spider-man um and actually like kind of um showing like uh launching two two characters from the netflix uh uh series together <laughs> Like there's so, such yeah, a really they, good they coordination. let everybody know at once. Yeah, it did. It was perfect coordination. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, from from WandaVision to um, the well, Winter Soldier and Falcon and to Loki and to now Hawkeye. I mean, look at the differences between all of the th- all of the things, especially this one being like so holiday based. You know. Oh, yeah. I mean, all of those things couldn't have been more different. And same thing, too, with the movies, you know, with the different movies that we got, mm-hmm. is that they were all very dramatically different in their own right and what they were trying to do and what they were trying to bring. So it's crazy that that Marvel can can try so many different things and do so many of them well. I mean, we just sit here and basically kiss their asses all the time anyway, but God damn it, they deserve it. This shit is good. Yeah, I mean... And Hawkeye tied in the Netflix universe now. Heck yeah. So for you completists out there who have to see everything tied to everything, now go watch your Netflix stuff because it's in canon. We got Charlie Cox showing up, uh, you know in spider-man later on and then we also got vincent d'onofrio as the kingpin who was the perfect casting for kingpin of course you go back and get vincent d'onofrio. yeah it's vincent d'onofrio He's amazing <laughs> and they shoot him perfectly oh yeah i love that they shoot him so that you never see all of him oh yeah and they do the the peter jackson hobbit thing where they always bring him forward in the frame mm-hmm. and when he first sits down with vera farminga's you know eleanor bishop and you you see now we're going to get the entire scene that that photograph at the end of episode five was from where Eleanor's basically explaining to Kingpin like this shit is getting too wild. I have paid back my husband's debt and I'm out. Mm-hmm. And he looks absolutely mammoth. No one ever. No one ever gets the out. Way they shoot it. No one ever gets out. Oh, his voice is so perfect. <laughs> she thinks she works at Merrill Lynch or something. We're going to show her she doesn't. <laughs> like there's some Nixon in it. <laughs> uh, uh, my, like the, so standouts for the show, uh, just Yelena is like, she's like even sicker on this show than she was on Black Black Widow, you know? Oh, well, yeah, yeah. She just really has gotten to lean into the character. So like and like just her dialogue scenes and the action, she's just so fantastic. 
you know, and then her her and Kate Bishop, they really need their own show, honestly. <laughs> they do. And, you know, and that's the thing, because I always felt there was a disconnect um, between Kate's behavior towards Yelena and Yelena's motivations. Like, is Yelena just so fucking likable that you can't help but quip with her while she's actively trying to murder your hero? <laughs> like, I know that Kate believes in in Clint's ability to get out of any situation. So, but they're being like buddy buddy while Yelena is actively hunting down Clint to kill him. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there's a little bit of a disconnect there, but damn, she's so likable. She sells that idea. You never question it. You're like, of course they're bantering as though they were fighting together, despite the fact that they are kicking the crud out of each other. Remember, she she even has that line. Stop making me like you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Stop making me like you. Like, you're a murderer. And you're about to kill my best friend. And so much fighting. You get Kate fights Yelena. You get Clint fights Yelena. Mm -hmm. You get Kate fights freaking Kingpin, you know? Uh, Kate's mom hits Kingpin with a car, and Kate blows Kingpin up, and you cannot kill the Kingpin. Don't think for a moment you can kill the Kingpin. And so much action. Kate fights everybody. Yeah, uh, I love when Hawkeye does the, the leap off the building. Uh, he lands on a tree, and he meets an owl. <laughs> Yes, yes. Bug nuts, man. And then that owl definitely murders two people <laughs> later on, which is fantastic. <laughs> that was the most ridiculous thing where they're about to be hit by a van, and so they shoot it with the PIM arrow and turn it into like a little matchbox car. And of course, Kate looks at Clint like, um, we can unshrink the people inside, right? And Clint's like, um, I mean, I could talk to somebody. I think so. so good. And then the owl from earlier swoops in, takes them away to definitely crack that thing open and eat them. Now, one, one issue I did have is every time, like, Clint has to use his bow as a weapon, like, it just does not look like a weapon. <laughs> he, he, there's a one point, like, he's hitting people and they're, like, flipping over with the bow. <laughs> Well, all right, because I think because it is designed to be flexible, you see it as a weapon that maybe, you know, isn't imparting as much force as it could because it's going to flex when it hits. But here's the other thing. What if he's hitting them just at the last minute, he turns it sideways a little bit. Now you're catching him with the side of it. That doesn't Come flex. On, I think you could beat the Come shit. On. My brother, my, my, <laughs> it's funny. I, I bought my brother uh, one year for Christmas, like a Hawkeye t-shirt because he's super into archery. Mm -hmm. And when you live in upstate New York, you know, that's one of those things. And so if he hit me with his compound bow, that shit would hurt. That would hurt bad. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, maybe not flip a dude over, yeah. but this is comic books. The idea that uh, a woman who weighs 90 pounds can take down a guy who weighs 300 pounds. Like, I don't care how good your Kung Fu is. Your body doesn't have enough mass to generate the force to hurt that person. Rachel who studied martial arts for a year, she calls it waifu in the movies, mm -hmm. where she's like, that woman doesn't have enough mass. I don't care how strong he is, how many push-ups you do, you just don't weigh enough to affect a change of direction on her target. And so, you know, you have to just suspend a little bit of disbelief and say, okay, Hawkeye hit him with a bow and he did a backflip. Like, maybe that, that would certainly render his bow inoperable mm -hmm. for the rest of the fight. But come on, it's good fun. I want to watch people it's get just hit with bows. It's a tiny nit nitpick, you know. Well, you wouldn't be you. Uh, just it's, it's the same. It's it's the same thing as like, um, I remember <laughs> this bothered me about um, uh, Age of Ultron, 
because, uh, <laughs> you know, he's and like you got Clint in that circle with all these superheroes fighting robots, and they 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 edit they cut around him so nicely, so they have to actually show him destroying a robot because <laughs> he has no ability to destroy a robot. With, without his arrows. And those robots were swarming around him. I love watching that cut. You got to see that cut sometimes because it's because like, they make it slow motion and they have to give every hero right, their right, shot. Right. And <laughs> it's it's really ridiculous. You know, but uh, when it comes down to this show, man, it's just butter, man. It was so good. And the final fight. So So to break it all down, basically, Eleanor... Oh, Eleanor has set up Jack. Apparently, Jack didn't know he was the head of all of those companies tied to the Traxxie Mafia. We knew he was a red yeah, super red the beginning hairy. because he was just, I mean, he was mustache twirling literally mm-hmm. in the first episode. So it's not him. That would be too much. But we do learn Jack is super awesome. Mm-hmm. He comes to the party with a sword mm-hmm. after being exonerated for murder. And Well, that's his, that's his namesake. Well, right, because in the comics, he is the swordsman. Mm-hmm. But we have him literally hacking up tracksuit mafia guys mm-hmm. on the the steps of Rockefeller Center. Oh, yeah. And as a New Yorker, that makes me proud. <laughs> I don't know how, where they shot this or how they shot this, but it looks like they are leveling Rockefeller Center. Oh, yeah. The giant Christmas tree comes down into the ice skating mm-hmm. ring, and tracksuit mafia guys are getting shot in the shoulder left and right Mm -hmm. but jack is fighting them with a sword and it's funny because later on in the episode he's dabbing a few drops of blood off of his tie like oh how did that happen (laughs) and it's like dude dude you would be covered in head to toe in arterial spray there would be screams of the dying as blood flowed <laughs> down the stairs of Rockefeller Center. Like yeah, you definitely love horror movies. You you're cutting <laughs> limbs off with a giant saber, and you see him take down like like ten dudes. They would be like parts, body parts everywhere. Oh, yeah. But it's Marvel, so so he just gets a little blood on him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it's fun, man, and the glee of him just taking these guys out. What a great character! I hope we see him again. Oh yeah, a, a character I don't hope to see again is Neo and Trinity. Ah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We do have to talk about the Matrix. I know. You and I feel differently about this. Boo. I didn't. I'm not going to say it was. We both agree that it's not a good movie. If you had to score this movie on a scale from one to ten, what do you give it? Uh, f- five. All right. See, I I give it a six point five. Yeah, because al- although I can't stand a lot of the movie, I still love Neil Patrick Harris. I love a lot of the ideas in the movie. Um. Uh, oh yeah, Neil Patrick Harris in everything is a joy. Yeah. He's beyond reproach. Of course, as we talk shit about this movie. Dear listener, please remember, none of it is directed towards Neil Patrick Harris. He is a he's a saint among men. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, Neil was great. I feel like he was a wasted villain for this movie. This movie, like, needed to have a better story and a better protagonist for a villain like that that had such a sick plan, you know? Um. Yeah. Well, it's it's weird because we had talked about this movie at one point. You said something really poignant about it, and you said it felt like Lana Wachowski, Wachowski uh, rather, 
didn't want to make this movie yeah, she, is what you said. No. It felt like she didn't want to make this movie, which is, which is, I mean, perfectly valid. And you think about the fact that the main character Neo is back to being Thomas Anderson and they, his company is forcing him to make, to make the matrix for the video game, which he doesn't want to do. So if you had to draw parallels, I mean, it's almost exactly right there. And that really is the theme of this movie. The theme of this movie is every single thing that Lana Wachowski thinks and feels is laid fucking bare. There is no subtlety. She comes at this with all the subtlety of a sledgehammer. This thing winks and nods at every moment. It literally tells its own story through the movie. But so what about the fans, bro? That is not necessarily what the fans wanted, what about the fans, but I bro? do see it. That's that's bullcrap. I know, I that's bullcrap. Like I I know. I, I love I love I love the Matrix. I love and and like the thing the thing what Matrix stood for back then was like cutting edge technology and like really just kind of warping your worldview on what's real and what's not and all, all those sort of themes, you know, turned turned into uh, like a diatribe on how much you hate your job and what how Hollywood is now. Like, what? How? How does that belong into the Matrix, man? You know. Well, I because I think that Lana Wachowski had something to say about the Matrix so many years later because so many of the themes in the Matrix have been co-opted into different socio-political movements. The idea of the red pill versus the blue pill is it's it's not it's moved beyond the matrix to just a societal colloquialism you know and the idea of hating your job and the roboticism of it all and the the themes that were the matrix the matrix was so pivotal and influential that it it shaped the way discussions around those things were had and i think lana wanted her moment to have her say on that Okay. You know, I'm sure she doesn't fucking like that so many right wing and conservative uh, outlets adopted the idea of quote unquote the red pill. And she's like, I made this actually for the opposite. Then go fucking make a documentary. Jesus Christ. She she did, and she called it the Matrix. <laughs> because it tells the fucking story of everything from the beginning. It's the same movie as The Matrix again, and I think that's something that a lot of people, they wanted an expansion. They wanted an update. And just like you said earlier, the idea of The Matrix did X, Y, and Z. It revolutionized special effects in the film industry it revolutionized that st style of storytelling and it did all of those things and you want the new matrix movie to do all of that again but maybe that's impossible maybe catching lightning in the bottle and creating a movie that changes the very society that watches it isn't that fucking easy it you could have made there could have been something better than this <laughs> you know <laughs> Sure. Okay. There could have been something. A lot of it, first off, the glaring omission, the lack of 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 uh Lawrence Fishburne is yeah, a problem. That was horrible. His presence. If you're gonna make a nostalgia bomb, which is what this is, it's a fucking nostalgia bomb. That's all that's what it's designed to be. 
then you then then commit. Then bring back Lawrence. Lawrence, Lawrence Fishburne's presence was like probably more than more Matrix than Neo was. Honestly, his his voice and and his him taking everybody into the world of the Matrix was so integral to the Matrix. Yeah, like that's it's yeah. so weird. That he's just he, easily he brought that easily tenor dis- to his voice. Yeah. He seduced you to the truth. He's easily dismissible. Like, give me a break. And like, I, I don't yeah. care about any sort of excuse that they have. Well, well, we wanted to say, well, he died. And blah blah. Look, give me a break. You you spent so much money to bring back the bodies of Keanu and and of, of Neo and Trinity. You know, like like. You could write anything right, right. to make make these all, all these characters come back, or just just do a straight up sequel to those original movies. You know, no, no, no. See, you get you know what I think would be funny is that um, it would have been real easy to just make Lawrence Fishburne the Silver Surfer in this one, you know, because Lawrence Fishburne <laughs> was the voice of right. Because now they have technology that lets software become physical in the physical world via tiny little silver balls that they can control. So it's a way for sentient software to have physical form, right? The way you write it is just like this. Lawrence Fishburne, the actor, and I forgive me for forgetting his name, who plays... Yaya Abdul-Mateen. Thank you. Who plays the software Lawrence Fishburne. You could have made software Lawrence Fishburne, Lawrence Fishburne. So every time we're in the Matrix, we get Lawrence Fishburne looking Lawrence Fishburne. And then when we're in the quote-unquote real world where he is officially dead, software guy can just be a silver blob walking around, but he gets that fucking voice. (laughs) So there you go. I rewrote it there. That's what they should have done that that would have made Arthur happy. <laughs> Lana, Lana, if you're listening, <laughs> call me. You don't talk anymore. <laughs> I have good ideas, real ideas to help your movie. We can still say all the stuff you want to say. We could still wink and nod, and it's like all of the detractors. We can do that. Just call me. I feel I feel John Groff was wasted in this movie, too. Um, yeah, a little bit. You know, I mean, because they didn't really do. They he didn't only really even do came lot. in because Hugo Weaving. They didn't know what to do with him, and they originally they wanted Hugo Weaving, but then they couldn't get him, so they had to figure something out. And him was figuring something out, and it was kind of a waste. See, but here's the interesting thing: they actually called Hugo. They actually called Hugo, and Hugo wanted to do it. Right, he just had a scheduling conflict. And, and, and again, and again, going back to to Lawrence, they never called him at all. Annoying. Now, uh, uh, Henwick was really good. I feel like she just should have had her own movie, honestly. Yeah, she should have just been the new Neo. Yeah, honestly. You make the movie where she's the new, the one. Yeah, because, I mean, that she's fresh. Me. She fresh was great. Face. She's great. Yeah, she's really cool. Yep, and you really believe her awe and her 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 motivations. She's just great. Yeah, I mean, the, the movie looked like a, a straight-to-DVD release, honestly. Mm. A little bit, a little bit. A lot of the action was just like there was like the, they had shutter speed on some of the slow motion. That's like such a super cheap effect. Like you're like you're you're <laughs> you're going backwards versus what the quality of the Matrix from twenty years yeah, ago. Yeah, I I guess. I mean, this movie was trying to do a lot, and I think you're right too. If it is in fact that you know Lana Wachowski didn't have her whole heart in this. 
Um, and she is a reflection of the main character who doesn't want to make part four of the Matrix video game. So for those who may not have seen the movie, essentially, let's just do a quick rundown. Um, if you haven't seen it, we're spoiling it. You know we're spoiling it, be that as it may. It's 60 years in the future. The machines have a new uh, um, operator who is uh, Neil Patrick Harris. He has designed the next Matrix and he has learned that for whatever reason he needs for Neo and Trinity to exist in the Matrix to stabilize it, to keep it working properly, but they can't join up or they become more powerful than the system that they are working within. Because uh, reasons. Now, because reasons. And <laughs> I'm sure that there's some kind of commentary there because by the end of the movie, essentially... Neo is not the one. Trinity is the one. If there is a, the one, uh, and no, though no, they're both the ones. It's that they are. <laughs> they are both. It's, they're the a ones. pair. <laughs> they are both the one. And Neo says, "I never really believed in this the one stuff because there's the two, so you have to have both." And maybe there's some kind of social commentary in that. Um, it makes no sense. But we not based off of the story. Find, the, the, arch, the architect. <laughs> well, no, not based the, off ar the story. architect made Neo to be the way he he is. He never changed it so other some other random yeah, other random it's human true, true. was made to have Neo powers. Like that's like that's it. So they just. I know it's a little contradictory. It is. Yeah. So I mean, it's cool to see Trinity with powers, but maybe write something that makes it make more sense. <laughs> It's a different matrix. It's a different matrix. Everything's allowed. Then, I guess everybody should be able to fly then. Well, uh, maybe. Anyway, so <laughs> we move forward. <laughs> we don't know, man. We move forward. We find out that Neo's been basically brainwashed back into being Thomas Anderson. And because he's going to retain residual memories of all the shit that happened to him in the first three movies, they make him a video game designer who has made the Matrix 1, 2, and 3, the video games, that are exact playthroughs of the movies that we watched in the 90s and early 2000s. So now the Matrix itself exists within the Matrix universe, and they spend a lot of time talking about what they think about those first three quote-unquote games. And it's just the movie talking about itself, which is weird. Yep. It's weird to have the characters in the movie have opinions on the characters they play in the movies. Yep. It's it's meta. It is breaking the fourth wall without actually staring directly into the camera. And there's a lot of that going around, let's just say. There's a lot of that going around. A lot of a lot of media, we're gonna talk about Spider-Man later on, uh, does this now, but does it better, admittedly. And so this movie just like, just like you said, all the things that you wanted the new Matrix movie to be, they have a scene where when they're talking about the game, the Matrix 4, they say everything you just said. They should, we should be breaking ground. And they talk about all the things you would need to do to make a successful one of these. And then the movie actually does none of it, which is ironic and weird. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, yeah, you're telling so it. So it's not great. You're telling it. But, but, but. It's a nostalgia bomb. If you want to watch Keanu Reeves, who is charming as fuck, go and Thomas Anderson slash Neo it up. He's going to do some of that. If you want to watch, you know, Trinity and Neo's love story come full circle, 
back from her dying in a spaceship and him becoming space Jesus. I mean, you really can't have a space, you know, a, a cyber Jesus story without resurrection. And here we are. And maybe it's not incredibly satisfying, but this is the movie that exists. And I'm glad, I'm glad, because it seems like you've calmed down a little from the last time we spoke. You were so heated yeah. when we first I talked just after it. you saw this movie. <laughs> you were, like, personally offended. You were like, why? Yeah, I mean, man, Why dude, I, for this? I remember, I remember the most expensive thing I bought besides, like, video games 20 years ago was my, my Neo jacket. <laughs> Oh God! You had a neo jacket. Of course, you fucking. <laughs> <laughs> so that there, I, I got skin in the game, bro. Oh. I got skin in the game. Oh, Matrix man. made everything to me. Man, did you, did you have the tiny glasses? No, I had my regular glasses. I bet. <laughs> I bet you still have your tiny glasses. No. My glasses were like I used to go with like a smaller wireframe glasses because I grew up in the nineties. Mm-hmm. But now I I go with the Wayfarers. I'm looking good these days. I don't do the little glasses anymore. Mm-hmm. But that was the thing, dude. You weren't alone. I like I worked in IT in the early nineties, late nineties, early two thousand. After the Matrix came out. A third of the fucking screensavers in our office were those little green letters going up and down. <laughs> there were black fucking full-length coats everywhere, everywhere to be seen. Somebody had them on. Full-length coats, uh, full-length coats and tiny glasses for miles. So, like, I never got into it. I saw the first one, and then I saw, like, the Matrix crew. And, look, I got a lot of friends who were running with the Matrix crew. I'm not trying to be judgmental, but it just... It felt a little forced, guys. Mm-hmm. And I think it felt, it, it was weird. And I, it wasn't my scene. It wasn't my scene. I was weird too, but that wasn't my scene. <laughs> and so I never got into the second movies. My roommate, my roommate fucking loved mm-hmm. that shit. Loved Animatrix and fucking uh, the, everything about it. He was totally into it. Oh, yeah. uh, the industrial music scene, mm-hmm. but wasn't my cup of tea. But it sounds like you had a little bit more emotionally invested in it. Oh, and so, yeah. you know, rather than, you know, taking this movie as as Lana Wachowski screaming into the void, uh, you would have rather just had a continuation of the story that went somewhere that seemed to make sense. I mean, dude, it, it was at the time, there hadn't been a Superman movie in a long time. And the, the best the effects were for anything was Batman and Robin, you know? <laughs> so, like, to, to, <laughs> to actually make Neo fly and fly, like, realistically was a big thing. You know, when when, yeah. when when they weren't making, like, high-budgeted superhero films, you know? Yeah. So by the time that they were showing showing the trailers for Matrix Reloaded and, like, he was just flying all over the place, you know, like, that's when they, that they, that's when they knew they could actually make another Superman movie, you know? So, yeah. so seeing something like that was just, it just blew you just, like, out of your mind completely out of your mind to see all of that stuff back then you know that's that, that's why matrix had such a huge effect on me you know spider spider-man and the matrix you know so yeah i'm glad well, i'm glad, one, I'm, glad revolutionizing. I'm glad one of them, i'm glad one of them st- struck it big this uh, uh holiday well season. yeah well shoot i mean i like that i like that we could talk about spider-man because spider-man does well what the matrix did poorly which is to look the audience square in the eye and talk about some previous movies and maybe, you know, wink and nod to them where appropriate and maybe have some commentary on it where appropriate. Mm. And in Spider-Man, it's fucking delightful. Yeah. 
it's delightful. We're in the Matrix. It's it pulls you out of the movie because you know that it's Lana Wachowski saying like, "I don't freaking like this." And um, yep. but in Spider Man, it's just it gives you all the warm and fuzzies. And if you forgot that we said it in the intro, I'm gonna give you one last chance. Spoilers, <laughs> because this whole movie is spoilers, and I know that killed it. Like. For a lot of people, and you especially, Arthur, you felt, you know, that, man, what it would have been to have seen this movie cold. Oh, yeah. Could you imagine seeing this movie cold oh, without knowing yeah. anything at all? It would have broken your mind. Oh, definitely. Um, I mean, this is easily the the most spoiled movie in my in my lifetime. Like, we just, yeah, everyone sure. knew everything about it. The actors kept spoiling it. Like, you know, the, the journalists would spoil it. Like, we knew, we, we knew stuff behind the scenes because of, like, like messy uh, contractual agreements between Tobey Maguire, you know, which like just completely ruined all that stuff for us, you know. Um, it still didn't yeah. take away from the movie. It, it still wound up being super special. But oh my god, I just imagine if we had no idea, we would have lost. And I tell it. you, the the best guy in all of it was Andrew Garfield. Oh yeah, for everything that I knew or didn't know. It wasn't until a few weeks before the movie came out that I was certain Andrew Garfield was in it because he was really, he's a good actor. He very convincingly was like, no, I'm no, I'm not in the movie. Mm -hmm. It wasn't even like Tobey Maguire's like, I really can't talk about it. I really can't say we're not talking about it. Please don't ask that question. And then Andrew Garfield's like, no, no, I'm not in that movie. That's a great movie. I would have loved to have been in that movie. (laughs) I think that's, you know, I wish they had called me because I'm I, I love it. <laughs> and he was the most convincing one of all of them. <laughs> Alfred Molina was just like, I am Doc Ock. They find me in the river in the East Bay. <laughs> in, you know, and I've got the sun in the palm of my hand, and then suddenly they transport me to the Sanctum Sanctorum, oh, and I have to fight Peter Parker. Everything. And like Kevin Feige's tearing his freaking hair out at home. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Alfred, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, then Jamie Foxx did the same thing. Same thing. I told him I'd come back, but if they make me blue, I'm never doing this role again. So, yeah, I'm back, but I ain't blue. What the, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Just giving it all away. Oh God! Yeah, the actor who played the lizard. Yeah, Reese Ifun. Yep, and even Willem Dafoe was very coy about the whole thing, and and it was great. Those guys were cool. Uh, well, you know, Willem is a consummate professional, <laughs> <laughs> and he is a consummate professional and a hell of an actor, and, and he's something of thing- a scientist too. Yes, yes, he's something of a scientist. Yo, this movie, and we should have expected it because the post credit scene at the end of Far From Home was them doing a cartoon version of the Spider-Man meme. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, every little memeable phrase from the first movies is in this movie. They have them saying the lines. Mm -hmm. Like, the theater I was in was so divided between people cheering at the top of their lungs and other people screaming after, cheer, but shut up. We want to hear what they say. (laughs) And so, like, you would hear this loud roar, and then as soon as the character on screen would open their mouth, like, it would just stop. 
and so everyone could hear the dialogue. But like <laughs> every memeable moment that these characters said, there was cheering. I'm something of a scientist myself. The power of the sun in the palm of my hand, like mm-hmm. all of that stuff. So good, so freaking good. Oh yeah, and it's. It's a two and a half hour movie that doesn't feel like a two and a half hour movie. I, you know me, I bitch and I moan. I was, we were talking earlier and I was telling you how excited I was. I was like, I watched Carnage. It was 90 minutes. Can you believe it? It was, it was the second shortest superhero movie ever made. It, it was 90 minutes. And you're just like, yes, yes. It, no, I'm like, no, no, no. You, all right. I'm so tired of the long ass movies, but this movie, you could have made this movie three and a half hours for what they oh, gave yeah. you in this movie. And for a two and a half hour movie, so tight. That but that's what I was about to say. I mean, that's that's the whole thing about it. This the, this is like a master class. If if Chloe Zhao wants really know how to make these movies, she needs to watch this movie. You know, because yeah. it's about timing, it's about the beats, it's about mixing up the comedy. It's about having the action beats there. It's about having the emotional beats, having the tone, the pacing, like all of that is there. Like that, that when you like you should feel like it went by really fast if it was a three-hour movie because you're having so much fun. You're having so much fun. Like that's that's what always makes time go by so fast. You know. Um, That's it. It's not a two and a half hour movie I have a problem with. It's a two and a half hour movie that feels like a two and a half oh, hour. Oh, yeah. You keep me engaged. And this movie hits every beat just as you start to lag a little bit. And then it's like, bang, we've changed it. And you just, and you're in it. You're in it for every moment. And then you get to the end of it and you're like, fuck, that was two and a half hours. So nice. I want to talk about the actors right quick because. Yeah, please do. You know, Zendaya, Zendaya um, and Peter, like, you know, now, now that they've clinched the the relationship then you know they get so much more screen time together because before like i love the way they played M- mj in the last two movies because mm-hmm. i mean they really played everybody as actual high schoolers not like 30 year olds playing, playing high, high school yeah so like i mean that that made it super refreshing and you know like they gave mj all these like really awkward quirky dark like uh, personality traits are always great so, um, you know, with, with all of that we saw before, like just seeing the, the her interplay with Peter just felt it felt it felt really special. It, it felt like a connection that I really haven't seen in all the other ones. I, I, I did like Andrew Garfield and, and Gwen, but again, like they seemed way older. <laughs> yeah, they than definitely like the high school played age. older and um yeah. You know, what is it? It's the curse, of, or, or rather, I guess, I don't know if you call it a curse, but basically every Spider-Man ever has dated his leading lady in real life. And yeah. now Tom Holland and Zendaya are no different. And they have yeah. legitimate chemistry. When they are on screen together, oh, you just yeah. oh, see yeah. the amount of chemistry that they have with each other, the amount of of genuine friendship. And him and Ned, too, like just... You can tell that these people in real life are genuinely friends, or in the case of Tom Holland oh, yeah. and Zendaya, genuinely together. Yeah. Uh, so and then so we have Ned doing great, and then we uh, we we open with um, uh, Aunt May and and Fo- uh, I almost said Foggy. <laughs> <laughs> happy, <laughs> he did play Foggy at one point. Yep. But uh, happy. Having uh, like the the end of their little uh, trist, <laughs> mm-hmm. she's always great, man. Marissa Tomei, she's always been a fox and always been great in everything. 
I love they're in Slums of Beverly Hills. You ever seen that movie? Oh, I love Slums of Beverly Hills. That's <laughs> oh, such God, a great love that. movie. <laughs> love that movie. Anyway, um, you know, it was funny what was happening with all of the Aunt Mays throughout the, all the movies. She's just getting younger and, and younger, younger and younger. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, but she definitely, um, she is she was one of the greatest Mays. I still like um, Aunt May from the uh, from uh, the Tobey Maguire movies because I just love her scene with uh, with uh, <laughs> with Willem Dafoe. Yep. Finish it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and man. then just like how she was always, she always happened to be in peril, and I mean, and she looks the most like the comic. Well, that's book what it is. She was the most comic book Aunt May. When you think of Aunt yeah. May from oh, the comics or from like Spider Man and his amazing friends, like that's your quintessential Aunt May. Yeah, it never made sense that she was so old. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a little weird. Spider-Man, so, yeah, you know, rather, uh, Peter is supposed to be 16, and she's like 75. Yeah. Maybe she's just an yeah. old... No, she was just genuinely old. I don't know, man. It was yeah, she should have been that old. Like, Because like, Pete, uh, Peter's mom had to have been in her 30s. Like, Why do you have a sister that's 40 years older than you? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they were one of those like religious fundamentalist families that end up with like, sixteen <laughs> kids and twenty years age difference. Who knows? But Aunt May was always old. Marissa Tormey uh, redefining the Aunt May role in so many ways oh, in yeah. this movie. Oh yeah, like just just when just when she uh, they we had that really funny scene where it seems like uh, MJ and Peter are having sex in the room. <laughs> And she's like, hey, hey, like practice safe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like she's a modern aunt and stuff. You know, um, but then going to the other actors, like we're 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 so lucky to have a cast like of this measure. You know, mm-hmm. we're bringing back all of the different villains. Like, I mean, and we're even so surprised that we actually get Thomas Hayden Church back. Yeah. And Beast as the as a lizard. You know, um, it's it's just such a balance of a cast. Everyone's so great, and just huge stars all being balanced so well. And it worked you well know, too because um, the movie is so tight. It doesn't change locations a lot. It doesn't interact with a lot of ancillary characters who don't move the plot forward. A thing happens. Mm-hmm. That thing must be dealt with, and they do. And I think that really helps balance the sheer number of stars and main characters by having the story be really tight and really focused on just them and nothing else. No B plots. This is what we're doing. Yeah, we get to see more JK um than um than ever in this movie. Like in an in a new version of himself, like a new uh sort of variant, I guess. Well, it makes perfect sense for the time we live in, yeah. Yeah, the JK of this universe. Um so it was fantastic because um, you, you see how he just kind of made it big off of his Spider-Man story. That's it. That's it. He hates Spider-Man, but Spider-Man moves, you know, papers in the old version and in this one gets clicks. And I think yeah. it's really smart to update that character for the modern generation because to have a newspaper mm-hmm. man in today's era yeah, yeah. doesn't make any sense. Nobody cares about newspapers. Yeah, he's a, he's like a total Alex Jones type. Yeah, you know? and then they show him like his show looks big and has gorgeous production value and graphics, and then they cut to behind the scenes, and it's him with a webcam in a basement with like file boxes yeah. everywhere, and the illusion. But then, but then you, you see he comes create. up though. 
You see that he comes up though eventually. Like yes, he, yes, yes. He's a, he winds up makes making a lot of money and you know, getting a lot of like reach. Um, mm-hmm, you know, with mm-hmm. with that story, that story gave him a lot of reach. And he, like he kept talking about it. You you heard him subtly say, "Yeah, everyone knows my story." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he has a couple of lines like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, he's J.K. Uh, so, so good in that role. So, uh, Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange and Peter's uh, relationship. So great, you know, like so. What they what they stress in all of these movies, uh, besides uh, Peter's uh, naivete, is his connection to his uh, male mentors. Yeah, know? yeah, for sure. So, um, so it's really cool to see how he interplays with uh, Doctor Strange throughout this whole thing, and and their fight is so great. Yeah, wow. yeah. <laughs> and then w- the way he used math, a Archimedean, uh, Archimedean circle or, or whatever it is. Yeah, he spiral, uses geometry spiral. to understand how um, Doctor Strange is manipulating the mirror realm when he sucks him into the mirror world. He's like, oh, mm-hmm. all of these effects that I'm seeing, they're geometry. So if I understand the geometry, I know where he'll be. I'll know where the real one is. And no, he so sick. gets the better of him. And then what I thought was like completely fucked up and impulsive is he takes his sling ring and then bails. And it's like, you don't know, like, what if, what if you abandoned him in some random multiverse and now you don't know which one you can't get him back and he doesn't have a fucking sling ring. So how is he getting back? It's just mm-hmm. everyone in this movie is so impulsive. It's like, oh, yeah. Peter has a problem. Oh, he's, he goes, he's a teenager. Yeah, well, that makes sense for him. But Doctor Strange should really just stop and talk things out a little bit more. I know that mm-hmm. he's incredibly sure of himself, but he moves a little fast on this one. That was the only thing about this whole movie that got me, that it was like, if they took a half an extra beat before Doctor Strange just starts doing a spell... Uh, then all of this gets avoided, but then we don't have an awesome and fun movie. So yeah, but but I mean, I mean, to me, it makes sense. Like Spider Man asked a simple request: "I need everybody to forgive me." Okay, like uh, he didn't he didn't have any caveats or anything. He just based it off of what the kid said. But the you reach know, he, he, of that, the actual like the amount of reality that you are gonna alter in doing that, just maybe begs half a moment more to discuss it. Yeah, what happens? That, that's always been his. That's always been Doctor Strange's flaw. He's he's just like Tony Stark, but just in the magic realm. Yeah, and that's true. That's true, and that's going to yeah. lead big into you know Doctor Strange too, where Baron Mordo is back, and he's like, the problem is you, sir, mm-hmm. because he is he is oh, impulsive yeah. and he is impetuous at times. But so he begins the spell. Spider-Man screws it up and they break reality and they bring all of these bad guys into the Marvel Cinematic Universe and unbeknownst to them, a couple of Spider-Mans too. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's such a great plot device. So well thought out and so so lovely. You know, and, and, and you know, juxtaposing to what happened in Matrix, oh my God, if, if, they, if Matrix could have did anything similar to this, it would have been fantastic, you know? Um, so we have a, we have our villains, like what, what's really great is, um, that they all acclimate very well to the Marvel comedic tone. Yeah, they do. <laughs> so it's just so, 
It's so funny that everything that they say is just hilarious. There's no way that's his girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Your name is Otto Octavius? Yes. <laughs> Who the hell are these guys? <laughs> Hello, Norman. Is this Norman. a tree, man? <laughs> it's just a tree, man. Just a tree. <laughs> <laughs> just, just a regular old tree, man. It's not like a tree dude. Yeah. <laughs> so good. And and oh, yeah. all of them retain their basic, you know, wants and desires and motivations from their original movies. And mm -hmm. it works. The one thing that I've seen a lot of people complain about this movie and maybe that this movie, the writing gets a little bit wrong, is the idea that you can cure them of what makes them supervillains and that that will somehow save their life seems a little bit weird because we know that Doc Ock gets pulled out of the river just as he's doing his experiment that goes wrong. And mm -hmm. he has to drown that thing in order for it to not explode, and that takes his life. So whether you fix the neural inhibitor chip in his arm controls, he's going to die when he goes home, almost unless he shows up somewhere else. I don't. I don't know. I. I. I just. I just think that, you know, it's. It's not going to be as clear as shut. And then, like this, whenever whoever Spider Man they're dealing with that at the time will know that they're not that powerful, so they would relent. Well, you sure. Know? Like Electro's going to live because his powers kill him. So if he goes back without mm -hmm. powers, his powers don't kill him. And yeah. um, the lizard lived. Anyway, so he's fine. Sandman lived mm -hmm. anyway, so he's pretty good. Um, yeah. And, you know, but Goblin might find himself on the wrong end of a glider. There was something interesting that actually Rachel pointed out that I thought was what solves this problem is that you don't go back to where you were when you get taken. You show up like where you are. So, for example, mm -hmm. all of these characters that they're fighting, they were all in New York. They were in different places in mm. New York, but they were all in New York. Mm -hmm. Now, we see in the post credit scene to Venom that Venom himself gets sucked to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and then the Spider-Man movie mm -hmm. confirms this with the post credit scene where he gets sent back to his universe. The problem is he was in Mexico at the time, so he spends the entire Spider-Man movie in Mexico, he doesn't get transported to New York. He doesn't get transported to San Francisco, where he presumably spends most of his time. You go from one universe to the other, but you basically stay where you were. So since when these characters go back to their universes, they aren't in the exact same spot they were standing in previously, they probably do survive. Mm-hmm. But Rachel thought that was funny. Yeah. She was like, Oh my God, he spent the whole movie in Mexico because that's where he was. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then we're then we're gifted to, you know, uh Andrew Andrew Garfield and Toby Maguire. Oh. And it just it couldn't have been handled it couldn't have been handled any better. No, it couldn't. It's just it such a so magical good. moment, especially when you're when in you're an audience when you're in the audience with uh um, with just people that love the stuff that you do, because this movie's no small feat, and it'll probably never the likes of it never will probably never happen again. Like a lot of the payoffs in this movies are twenty years in the making. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's fantastic. You know, you like, can't hit those emotional um, notes without without you know that amount of time to feel that nostalgic. And I was actually really surprised 
that they sh- that they put Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire showing up so close together. I would have thought Toby would have been like 15, 20 minutes later, you know, to just to gut punch you again. But there's something so powerful about like Andrew Garfield shows up and they punch you in the gut. And you're like, oh my God. And you haven't even recovered from that yet. And then Toby Maguire steps out of the portal and you're like, no, no. I'm it's sure like, they had, I'm sure they had different plans. It's just Toby's meeting and Toby's con- contractual agreement like took way longer to put together. It just works so, so well both ways. I just mean in pacing in the movie that they they're gonna hit you with those mm-hmm. nostalgia bombs. I thought they were gonna give us Andrew Garfield early, and then now we're gonna hit you in the fields with Toby McGuire later, but they give it to you one, two, and it works that way as well. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. Uh, you know, just like you said with Andrew, Andrew definitely was an MVP for me. See, like here's so here's my thing about the Spider Man. Toby was a pretty good Peter Parker, a little bit too much on the sad side, but still a great Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. Probably the best Peter Parker. A little old. But uh, the best Andrew Peter Garf and Andrew Garfield was the best Spider Man to me. Yep. Like not the be- not the best Peter Parker. No. I think this I think this has been talked about widely in 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 the in the fandom. Sure, sure. But like his his because like Toby was horrible as Spider Man. His voice. I mean, he was great at the intensity and the acting and the drama. But Spider Man's supposed to be funny. Yeah. And he wasn't like he literally had this one line. He said, "Quiet while mommy and daddy are speaking." That's what he said to Jay Jonas Jameson in one of the scenes. <laughs> I think it was Spider Man too. Oh my God, it was bad. Um, but like yeah, the Spider Man, yeah, yeah. But Andrew Garfield was great as Spider Man. I mean, uh, Spider Man One wasn't that great. It had my favorite uh, Stan Lee cameo. Mm-hmm. I thought that was like it was so cool. And he's in the library, all these things that are about to almost hit Stan. Uh-huh. And he saves him. He's wearing <laughs> that was the headphones so cool. all the time. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it was great. That's like my favorite um, Stan Lee cameo. Um, but yeah, everything that he was saying, the the way he looked and and felt that. That opening scene of Spider-Man Two, him flying like f- like f- like flying down to the city. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that that's my Spider-Man. Like that's a, that's the look of the Spider-Man from the nineties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. Drawn drawn by Jim Ballant. What's his oh. name? Yeah. Well, uh, I have to look him up in a second. But no doubt. Like it it was um what what was it astound not astounding spectacular Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Spectacular Spider-Man. Uh, from the nineties and stuff. He also he, that artist. He also drew, um, uh, uh, not extreme Spider Man, but Ultimate Spider Man. My my quintessential Spider Man artist, of course, is Todd McFarlane. Todd McFarlane, I think, oh, yeah, redefined man, he's great. it. And oh yeah, torment, bro. And Todd McFarlane jokes that every other artist who ever drew Spider Man after him hates him because nobody ever thought to draw the curly webs where you have like the one web down the middle and then you draw the other complementary threads of the wet is curling around it. And it's a lot more elaborate, mm-hmm. but it looks amazing. Everybody else just drew straight oh, yeah. lines. And so he mm-hmm. jokes that to this day, you can't ever just draw straight lines again since he drew it the way he drew it. Now every Spider-Man artist hates him. <laughs> I like I like Mike Wieringo's web. Mm. Uh, his his web was really cool. But um but yes Andrew Garfield yeah, was um, the quintessential quippy. He was such a good Spider-Man. But it's funny, too, because he's always, whenever anybody lists out their favorite Spider-Mans, because you have Tom Holland, who is the perfect blend of both. He is a great Peter Parker, and he's a great Spider-Man. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, so um, what's so good about what they did is, like, first of all, they have so many clever things about memes and 
and things that actually happened in the characters' real lives. Like the whole back thing was like, you know, Toby had back problems. Like while right, right, he had back injuries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then like, and, and then Andrew Garfield being so like, um, uh, self-loathing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Where <laughs> but, they're but, giving but out Peter like, Parker you know, is self-loathing. Yeah, well, he is. And when they're naming Spider-Mans, he's like, all right, I'll be Spider-Man one. Toby, you're Spider-Man 2. And they point to Andrew Garfield. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Spider-Man Spider 3. three. <laughs> yeah, I got gotcha. you. All right. You know Everybody's third favorite. Let's do it. And the commentary, like, and the way that they fix the complaints, where, like, one of my hugest complaints about the original Spider-Man uh, trilogy was you went out and got Willem Dafoe and then put a mask on that mug. Oh, Don't yeah. you dare. And in as soon as we get introduced to him, he freaking punches his masks and shatters it. And it's like, it's a way mm -hmm. the filmmakers looking directly at the audience in that scene and going, we heard ya. We heard ya. Yeah. Because so many people said the same thing. You went and got Willem Dafoe and put a mask on him. No. And, and every, mm -hmm. like every complaint that people levied in the original ones they address like Andrew Garfield's a great one where they talking to him. They're talking to him about what his life's been like. And he looks at Tobey Maguire and goes, I was never very good at being Peter Parker anyway. So I decided to just be Spider-Man. That's him looking directly at the camera and going, I know y'all think I'm the, the worst Peter and the best Spider-Man. So I'll just be Spider-Man. <laughs> like that's what the, and not to beat a dead horse, but that's a lot of what the matrix was trying to do, but just was so heavy handed about at least mm -hmm. this one, it's so deft and it's so light in the way that they do it. Just like it's 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 the perfect it's the perfect touch for that kind of objective. If you're trying to tell those kinds of jokes oh, yeah. and they do it so well and you get all of the Spider-Men oh, yeah. together sort of comparing and contrasting their differences. A great comedic scene. Oh, yeah. When they oh, when they shoot the shit. <laughs> yeah. When they're just like doing science together and uh you know, Tom Holland's handing out web cartridges and he gives some to, to, you know, Andrew Garfield and he goes to hand them to Peter Parker or uh, Tobey Maguire. And Tobey Maguire's like, well, what, what's a web cartridge? They're like, what do you mean? What's a web cartridge? He's like, where do your webs come from? I'm like, oh my God, they come out of your body. <laughs> and later <laughs> so on in good. the big fight, when they have no time for it, Andrew Garfield looks over to Maguire. He's like, so then, presumably you have some organ in your body that's making web fluid right now. And don't be it's like, that's not important. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Oh my God. All the things that you didn't expect that you, that wanted, you would ever like, get that you would get yeah. these guys talking to each other about the differences oh that were written for them in the movies. Again, not to beat the matrix up, but this is how you do it. Right. This yeah. is how you wink Give and it. nod at the audience without pulling them out of the movie. Yeah, like it's just it was just a beautiful moment because like, Spider Man has meant a lot to me. I mean, like there's no it's not a wonder why this movie made so much money, man. Like yeah. Spider Man probably is the number one superhero besides Batman. Mm, Superman's got a claim to that as well, but those are the big three. Superman, I Batman, and Spider Man. So. I don't think Superman anymore. I don't think Superman anymore. I don't think. I think. I think Spider Man. Has I think the word anymore Superman, is like, important handily. there, but Superman, Spider Man, yeah. and Batman are sort of the oh, trilogy. Definitely Superman for a good amount of time, <laughs> but not in the last twenty years, bro. Fair, <laughs> no, fair. No. But Batman and Heck Spider Man no. certainly it, are the super. No, definitely Batman. Definitely Batman, Spider Man. But Spider Man, I feel, has the edge out because of of young kids. 
you yeah. know, because yeah. like I mean, he's he's a, he's a kid. He has like pajamas for a costume, <laughs> you know. He's bright red and blue, uh, like and he's so relatable. And anyone can put like, the costume he, on. It could oh, be anyone. Yeah. It could be you under that mask. That's why the oh, character yeah. works. So so relatable, you know. That that harkens to the line that Jamie Foxx had, you know. <laughs> uh, Spider Man might have been black. <laughs> That's <laughs> such that. a great scene when Andrew Garfield finally takes him down. He takes the mask off. He's like, "Oh man!" And Garfield's like, "What? What's up?" I just, I just kind of thought you were black. I mean, because you're from Queens and you <laughs> like to help the community and stuff. And Andrew Garfield looks and goes, "I'm sorry, man." Like apologizes for not being black. And then, and then, and then again, you get the look right into the camera. You know, right into the audience's soul and goes. Man, you know, with all these different universes, there's got to be a black Spider-Man out there somewhere. And then, of course, the audience yeah. is like, yes, there is. And we want to see them. <laughs> they couldn't give us everything. You can't, oh, you, can't man, you know, Miles Morales swings it at that moment. It's too much. Give us. <laughs> We're waiting. You know, I, you know I was wishing. I know. You know, oh, before God, I saw I the know. movie, I was I was wishing Miles Morales was in this. Everybody hates Chris, <laughs> tosses that uniform on and swings in. <laughs> next time baby next time oh man oh yeah man it's such a great time such a great time and, you know, and so like there's so much to talk about like like the moment the moment where i just i couldn't take it anymore just tears streaming from my eyes when when mj goes over and it's like every love interest has that moment when they're flying through the air because that's the easiest like like most visual arresting thing to do is to get get that damsel saved you know peter goes for his babe and and then you you hear the the slow cackle of green goblin as he pushes him away mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh then andrew and again eight years story that has a, a payoff eight years in the making you know, watching Gwen Stacy die and having the guilt that he had about that, not letting it happen again, and the look on his face when he actually is able to save her. It just is enough to make you tear up right now. The look on his face that he was actually able to save her. That he had gone over oh that moment in his head so many times. And he changes his approach. He doesn't just web her and stop her. He swings in and breaks her momentum with his so that she doesn't just... Oh, yeah you know, come to a stop, which is what ultimately kills Gwen Stacy. And he does it and he does it right. And he, he wins and, and Spider-Man, you know, quintessentially gets so few wins and to see Andrew Garfield play that scene out. He really, he came out of this. Everybody is clamoring for him to just be the Sony verse Spider-Man. Just let him, Mm -hmm. let him go fight Venom and Morbius and let dark, angry, jaded, Peter Parker slash Spider-Man, who's done being Peter Parker, just hunt these guys down and get into it with them. I was saying to Rachel, you know what would be the best fucking movie? Like, you want you want a reason for Venom and Spider-Man to hate each other? Venom and Spider-Man team up because, like he said in this movie, he stopped pulling his punches. And people who know the comic books, Spider-Man could punch Doc Ock in half if he punched him as hard as he could. If he punched Doc Ock, who's just a baseline human attached to metal legs, if Spider-Man, who can lift 40 tons, hits him as hard as he can, he would explode like a water balloon. So 
part of what we know about Spider-Man is that he is always holding back. And you have that scene where Andrew Garfield looks at Tobey Maguire and goes, I stopped holding back, which is a very subtle way of saying, I killed them now. I started killing bad guys because I got tired of it. They killed the woman I love and now I killed them. And you could see yeah. a Spider-Man who's okay with killing bad guys, teaming up with Venom, and then ultimately growing a conscience, so to speak, and deciding, you know what? I'm actually not with this. You have to stop too. And then they come into conflict. Like we were in this together. We were like brothers taking out the trash. And now, now you're going to stop us. Fuck you. And that's where the conflict could come from. That's where Venom and Eddie Brock mm -hmm. could hate Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's so many movies you can make up in your head. That would be oh, amazing. Yeah. No pun intended. That's the uh, the the amazing joke. You're amazing. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh thanks, man. I really need to hear that. <laughs> uh, I just I love all the self loathing. It's so funny that there's that one moment where he's with JB Fox and he's like, "Yeah, you ain't the shit no more." And he puts his head down. He's like, "Oh." <laughs> oh, when they're all talking, when Tobey Maguire and, um, and 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 Tom Holland are talking about aliens, he's like, yeah, well, one time I fought this alien. He was kind of made of black goo. It was weird. He's like, oh, I fought an alien in space one time. And then then there's Andrew Garfield sitting there goes, I uh, there was a he was like a Russian guy and he made this suit, made him look like a rhino. He, he was he wasn't. An alien. <laughs> I, I never went to space. I, I haven't been to space. <laughs> and he's just like i suck you guys have fought aliens you've been to outer fucking space like look at you spider-man and i'm just like I, I fought this russian guy he made a a suit made him look like a rhino it was never mind <laughs> <laughs> so you know um you know aunt may dies and uh, yeah oh man like that that was rough because it was such a switcheroo moment. Mm. Cause like the the way they played it seemed like she was fine. And it was kind of realistic because like when someone's in shock like you that. You wouldn't know you're bleeding like, out. Yep. Oh yeah. Like so that crap was crazy. And and so impactful. And then she says the line. Oh yeah. And um yeah, which which leads to when he actually goes and um, has his uh, uh, like really brutal fight uh, with uh, with him. Oh yeah, uh, Green which Goblin. Is in contrast to the original, which is in contrast to the original one, because of course you know we know Peter man Peter pu pulls his punches. Mm -hmm. He's punching he's punching him, and um, the Green Goblin's like laughing. He's trying while he's to him. kill him, and he can't. Really hammers home how strong the Green Goblin is. But 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 then you see complete difference when he fights him at the end. Mm -hmm. He is meaning to kill, and he and has the ability to kill, mm -hmm. you know. And then what do we see? We see uh, Toby come in for his big moment. Yeah. That look on his face that communicated everything without any words. In the same way that Andrew uh, Garfield it, got to fix the death in his life that haunted him, the death that haunted Toby Maguire's Peter Parker is the death of. Green Goblin, which him dodging the glider and watching him get impaled. Now we have Toby Spider-Man saying, no, not on my watch. He does not. This is not happening again. Yeah. I mean, just just eyes just streaming like dur during during that moment. And then eyes streaming again when Peter has to say bye to Aunt May. 
Uh, the movie's so beautiful. Like the moment that they hug, he has the he's doing a tracking shot going around them as the sun is uh, behind them. Mm-hmm. When they get to reunite again for the last time, and then that score comes up from Michael Giancino. Oh my god, the movie! And again, the man. movie listened to the fans and got it right. The fans are like, "Yo, we don't need Uncle Ben." We don't need another Uncle Ben. We've gotten Uncle Ben so many times. The first Spider-Man trilogy gave us Uncle Ben death twice, son. And, like, we always get Uncle Ben's death, and we don't need that. We've seen that. We're tired of that. And then this movie's like, we heard you, son. Now go cry. Go cry in the corner. Well, but that's the thing, though. Oh, my God, you're so right. Oh, my God. (laughs) But that's the thing, though. This was what's smart about Marvel. So smart. Because everybody was dreading. Everyone was dreading when the first Spider-Man came out that they were going to make it an origin story. Right, right. But that that had that has not been Marvel's thing. You know, they they do a lot of cold openings. They 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 switch up the 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 like the, the perfect example is with Captain Marvel. How it wasn't just played as a straight up origin. Right, right. It started it started with her having powers and stuff, and it would just it would go back and forth. You know, mm-hmm. um. So yeah, we did have we did have Uncle Ben. They just were subtle about it because we we'd seen probably the best Uncle Ben's um, um uh, part in uh the Tobey Maguire one. Yeah, yeah. He, like that he that guy was the perfect. Oh, he was Uncle so ben. good. So so Peter? yeah. So we've seen He's it like and dying and shit. Oh. Oh yeah, and I mean we've we've seen we've seen that. So Marvel does a smart thing, and they just allude to um, um, Ben Parker. Yeah, yeah. Because you, you I mean, he had like um, Peter has his suitcase at one at time. Exactly. And he and he t- he talks to him, but he's talking to Tony. He doesn't know Tony that well, so he's not like telling him all of the stuff. Of and course. then of course uh, with Aunt, with Aunt May, he would say, "Well, you know, Uncle Ben would do it like this or whatever." So. You know, we we did have the shadow of Ben Parker there, you know. Right, but we didn't um, need so. we didn't need the with great power comes great responsibility scene from him again. And what mm-hmm. we did, but then they did give us Spider Man's origin story. It just took three movies to tell it. Like now, at the end yes. of the movie, where they have to concoct a spell that makes the whole world forget Spider Man to undo or forget Peter Parker. They know Spider-Man, but to forget Peter Parker. Mm -hmm. And that fixes again, one of the hugest criticisms there and going, Oh, well we want Spider-Man. You gave us iron spider and, you know, Tony Stark jr. And we want the broke Queens kid out there doing the good work. And that's exactly where this movie leaves us. It leaves us. And it, with like the most Ditko fucking Spider-Man costume you've ever seen in a Spider-Man movie. That was killer for me to see the high, high blue, because they always go like the modern Superman route. You look at Christopher Reeve, Superman, that suit is blue. And every other suit that ever came after it is like the darkest Navy you ever saw. And I love yeah, muted. Yeah, the blue and Spider-Man's oh, yeah. costume at the end of this movie is beautiful. It was beautiful. And it is it's lining up perfect with Hawkeye because it's like yep. Christmas time. Yep. Yeah, it ends and in you Christmas. See that, you see that you see that the Rogers musical is playing at the same time. <laughs> of course. Nice little <laughs> tie-in. <laughs> I can do this all day. <laughs> <laughs> My sister laughed her ass off at that as the Easter egg at the end of the Hawkeye series. Stick around oh, yeah. at the end of Hawkeye. 
There is a post credit. It is hysterical. It's a gift. <laughs> and yeah, but yeah, P- Peter Parker, uh, Spider Man, making his own costume, making his own you know, costume, he, not 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 being able to rely on Tark uh, Tech any a uh, Stark Tech anymore. You know, the only thing, um, the only know, thing I wanted that I didn't get was at the end because like fucking Easter egg at the end, the apartment that he moves into once everyone's forgotten who Spider Man is, he's starting his new life mm-hmm. alone or Peter Parker rather. Uh, it's almost the exact same apartment from the original Spider-Man movie that Tobey Maguire moved yeah. into. I just wanted Mr. Ditkovich to be like, you pay the rent. Yeah, me too, me too. Rent on time. <laughs> like, where's he? Come on. I guess that would have been just a bridge too far. Oh, God, man. But, <laughs> that would have been great. I mean, if you love if you love those first movies, and if because they, they hit us at exactly the right time in our life. I'm, Spider-Man 1, to this day, is still, even after everything else that's happened adjusted for inflation, the most profitable superhero movie ever made. Like, for dollars yeah. spent to dollars made, you cannot... You can't underestimate how big that movie was. In 2001, everyone got that DVD for Christmas. Everyone. Box sets, special edition, widescreens. Like, I just remember Christmas of 2001, everybody got that movie in their stockings. Everyone. I can't imagine how many they sold. And so that was such a quintessential part of what we know to be this this experience with these characters in 2001 you know we had the x-men movie and then suddenly this and it was a revelation and of course all these movies are flawed and they have their problems but it hits a part of your inner child and i think that marvel has they've done it again they've done it again oh man what an experience man. i can't wait for the blu-ray i guess is all i can say about that i fucking Come on, yeah. get that goddamn Blu-ray out! Like, come on! What an ex- what an experience! <sighs> what a what a book! What a book into twenty years of movies! I want to pause button. Know, and, I want to pick then, it apart. I want to know it. It's amazing! What an amazing way yeah. to end it all! Yeah, yeah. Or maybe oh it's just God. the beginning. Well, yeah, that, well, that's basically <laughs> what it is. But it is it is it is an end to, um, basically tying up stuff that will basically loose ends because that's what's that's what has what that's what's happened with all the marvel properties there's a bunch of loose ends because these properties are tied to other companies and this just so i mean they're about to do the same thing with x-men it took all those loose ends and it made them into a nice neat little bow yeah they're about to do the same thing with x-men it's gonna be way more epic Mm -hmm. Holy shit. Oh, man. We'll see. Uh, I can't wait to see how they pull I that know, off. I know. I can't wait either. I mean, it's only the only shame is that Hugh Jackman ain't going to play ball. I don't think. I don't. I think we're done with Hugh no, Jackman. No, he's totally going to play <sighs> ball. They already had meetings. I know they had meetings, but I don't know. I dare not dream that dream. I dare not dream that dream. It's been a beautiful end to Spider-Man. We don't need to, to, to dream that we would ever get Hugh Jackman back into the universe. I just... <laughs> I'd rather be surprised than to no. put myself down for that level of disappointment. But you're absolutely right. This is how you tie up 20 years worth of web slinging and create mm-hmm. something that just ends perfectly. And I think oh, yeah. we have ended perfectly on that note. Well, no, 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 no. Quick thoughts. Oh no, no. Quick thoughts about. Quick thoughts about the the uh, Doctor Strange trailer oh, at the end. Oh, geez. All right, because. <laughs> 
Okay, so I don't feel so bad. I ended it, but you now you got to stick around for the post credits. Post credits. <laughs> Doctor Strange. <laughs> Into the multiverse of madness. Yeah, fresh off of um of the synergy of WandaVision and uh, and Spider-Man and Loki. They're all there. <laughs> We're going to get yeah. so much multiversal stuff. We're getting America Chavez who is Oh yeah. A freaking uh, Latina, alternate dimension, LGBT plus Captain America that can punch holes through time and space. Fuck yeah. Oh, Any yeah. Captain America that can do that. Uh, we're going to get Wanda back, uh, which means that we're probably going to see Agatha Harkness baby drop by. We're hoping. And, and Shuma Gorath. Yes. Yes, give me more tentacles coming out of freaking portals and giant eyeballs, mm -hmm. and we're getting evil Doctor Strange. I think we're going to get a bunch of different Stranges. I think we're going to get the Council of Stranges, because in the trailer you see the def the Defenders version of Strange. Oh, I suppose that's true. Yeah, the one. Yeah, yeah, the costume. With the one with the ponytail. After getting so many Spider Men, now they're going to give us a. Uh, the Council of Stranges. Next thing you know, we'll have the mm -hmm. Council of Reeds. We'll get the uh, the Parliament of Doom, and of course, the Cross Time Council of Kangs are on their way. So, prepare to see our favorite actors playing lots of different roles. <laughs> and now you can end it. <laughs> I don't do what you say. I do what I want. But if people want to talk to you, where are they going to find you, Arthur? I, I'm Arthur Romeo. You can find me at ArthurRomeo.live. You can also uh, check out uh, my my uh, YouTube channel, Draw Really Awesome Wow, where I do art tutorials and make a bunch of f funny voices because I'm a voiceover artist, working voiceover artist. And uh, where, where can they find you, Tommy? Well, they can find me typically on Instagram at thomas.olton. That's where you can see some of my artwork and some of the things that I make. And you can also find us on Instagram at tales underscore two underscore admonish, where when I freaking get around to it, we have posts uh, that give little spoilers and fun little tidbits about our episode. And I'm hoping in the new year to expand some of our social media activities. So do keep an eye on that. And if you would, please do go online and give us a rate and review. It really helps with the viewability of our podcast and helps people find us. So if you've enjoyed what you heard today, tell your friends and uh, join us next time on... Holidays. Happy holidays and happy new year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Wild stallions. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, sir. Good times.